Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Rocky LaFleur. Yo, Adrian! Adrian! And Frost Reeves. I'm a simple man. I like pretty dark-haired women and breakfast food. Now, load up and side in. This is On The X. Welcome to the Excel Boats On The X podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I'm your host, Jay Paul Jackson, and today I don't have Frost or Rocky with me, but I do have two very, very special guests that are going to be my co-host today. Mr. Ryan Neely, marketing manager of Camp Chef, although that's kind of a misnomer. He actually wears a whole lot of different hats there. And our very own Kevin Mitchell from Mud Buddy Motors. Now, Kevin Mitchell is in customer service, but I would like to think of Kevin at Mud Buddy as our number one problem solver. Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome. I'm, I'm stoked to be here today. You know, us guys, at, us guys at Camp Chef, we're always cooking stuff up. So, you know, t- time away to do that, to talk with you guys is always fun. Yeah, man, it's been a while. I mean, the last time I saw you, I think we were on the side of uh, the highway that runs over to Antelope Island on the Great Salt Lake, uh, baking yeah. honey buns in one of your deluxe camp Dude, ovens. You're sitting on the causeway, and like I said earlier today, those I was telling a friend actually a couple of weeks ago, those ducks were dumping into that ice hole. There's that one hole in the ice on the Great Salt Lake, and uh, that was, I think I said this earlier, that was the first probably the only time um i'll ever shoot a double two birds <laughs> one shot that was a fun fun day i'll never forget it plus and plus i saw him do it kevin so i can tell you he's telling the truth he really did do that yeah sure i believe you oh my god <laughs> <set him up. laughs> oh, i'm done you that will never happen again <laughs> Yeah, and Rocky couldn't be with us today, but he was with me on that trip. So you got to meet him out there and yeah. and hang out. Kevin, it's great to talk to you without bringing a problem to lay at your feet like I so often do. Yeah, it's kind of nice not to have to worry about that right at the moment. Kind of enjoy yeah. uh, talking about Camp Chef. We use Camp Chef here a lot at Mud Buddy. We cook out every month. Um, I've been voted to be the smoke guy. So we smoke chicken, ribs, brisket. We smoke all of our peppers and stuff for our salsas that we make here. It's just a great product. I love it. I have one at home and it's just fun to use. Oh, no doubt. I love it. We've got deluxe ovens in several of our duck blinds and, and pits. And as a matter of fact, Ryan just hooked me up with another one to go to uh, our pit that we've, uh, got over in the boot hill of Missouri uh, so we can start cooking a little bit in there on these colder mornings and when, that's how it is when the hunting's slow you know a <laughs> saying we always say around here is you can't control the weather you can't control if the birds are flying or the fish are biting um but if you eat shitty that's your own fault <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth <laughs> you know that's the one thing you can't control and I was uh, duck hunting opening day. I went out with, with my father-in-law. And usually opening day with him in the past few years has been a little slow. Anyway, I threw a stove in my bag. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, don't worry about it. I got lunch coming. <laughs> and he's like, you're lunch out in the duck blind? He's kind of making fun of me. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the, the hunting was super hot that day. And I never 
broke the stove out till we went back in. But um, I was ready for hot sandwiches that day. Well, you know, what's really funny, too, and is um, the difference between hunting out west and, and hunting here in the Mississippi Valley, because you said your father-in-law was like, well, what are you going to do with that duck hunting? I just got back from California a couple of weeks ago, and I was in my buddy Scott Feist, Feist Fish Guide Service. Uh, they call it a blind. We call it a pit. But <laughs> I was looking around. I'm like, where's the stove? And he's like, oh, well, we, you know, we bring breakfast in with us or we'll get it, you know, when we get back to the house. But, you know, Ryan, in the area of the country that I live in, every duck blind and every pit, just about unanimously, I mean, there are a few that don't, but I would say 90% of all blinds and pits have an oven in them or some type of cooktop in there because it's just part of the way that we hunt. And I think over the last couple of years, you know, I've sent you videos from different places that I've yeah. been yeah. Uh, up outside of St. Louis, Missouri, in that blind uh, over in Illinois, where yep. we went in and those guys had a camp chef. And down here on Tiger at WMA, those guys had a camp chef deluxe oven. So your products are doing really, really well here in the Mississippi Flyway. Well, that's our goal. Our goal here at Camp Chef, you know, we, uh, you know, and um, Keith was saying, Keith was saying earlier, but how he's he he's the smoker guy over there at Mud Buddy, and he he's always the one doing the the chicken and the brisket or whatever at work, you know. And you're talking about sitting in the duck blind, um, you know. And here at Camp Chef, we want to offer everybody from backcountry to back patio a way to cook outdoors, you know, or you know, from backcountry into the um, you know, on the river or the lake or wherever, wherever your, your backcountry might be, um, all the way into the back patio. And, you know, already we've talked about both products on the spectrum. Um, and especially when we're talking hunting, you know, you can use that stuff in the field. Um, you know, you might have or prepare food right there in the field to eat on your, on your outing. Um, we do it every day. Hopefully, if you're lucky, you know, you've, you've harvested some stuff that you can then bring home and cook on your gear at home. You know, um, your ducks, your geese. Uh, I, 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 I do some waterfowl hunting, but I'm also a big game hunter. Um, and I love doing all my, uh, my elk and deer on my uh, pellet grill at home. And it's phenomenal. I love it. Yeah, I do a lot of cooking. Your fun too i love loading that thing full of jerky um and i'll load it full vac seal it into little individual packs and and haul that around with me so it's kind of fun because this whole thing of food is a continual process um from being out in the field harvesting it bringing it home you know preparing that and then you know you're out hiking or hunting or doing whatever i've got a i've got a bag of jerky in my pocket that i harvested <laughs> You know, is that a bag of jerky in your pocket yeah. or are you just happy to see Keith and I <laughs> you know we're the on the x podcast and of course you know our main focus most of the time is waterfowling hunting fishing um but you know before we get into to some of the hunting aspects because I want to talk a little bit about some wild game recipes and and some of your other products particularly in a minute uh you, know, you were talking about cooking out on your patio, but you also make some great cast iron products that uh, I use in my kitchen all the time. I want to talk about, but first, I want to take it back over to Kevin. So, Kevin, of all the things that you prepare there at work as the resident camp chef at Mud Buddy, 
give me a couple of recipes. Give me two of your favorites. Um, really, everybody here likes the, the ribs and the, the gals love the chicken and the guys like the ribs. So we just uh, get a good rub for the for the both of them, the chicken and the ribs. Um, <laughs> We're you know, talking about work, so I'm not going to touch giving the gals a good rub, okay, when you're at work. I just said the chicken, yeah. We gave the chicken just a really good rub inside and out. Um, the, the ribs, um, I get them going, and then uh, Bill, the, the general manager here, he loves to get involved in it too. So he throws his secret sauce on there with his brown sugar and a couple other spices and some good barbecue sauce and just a good, a good high smoke for four or five hours, man, and it's uh, there's no there's no leftovers it's like when we're done eating here and there's there's 25 to 30 of us every time we do lunch and there's nothing left it's just they're always asking what are we smoking next what are we doing next and we use a lot of the um the camp chef uh, dutch ovens here too because we do a lot of mountain man breakfast here too so we'll use those and we have also the stoves and and dutch ovens and i, I love that pellet grill and i really love the one i got at home too Kevin, I hate to interrupt you, but it sounds like you're cooking more than we are up at Camp Show. <laughs> well, you know what? I, down. When I, your next breakfast, I'm coming down. I love those video guys you guys put on and on Facebook, and I watch them all we the time. I'm always one. looking. We just finished a Facebook Live. Actually, that's why I had to go close the door because they came in um, just maybe two minutes ago. Um, yeah, no, we are. We're cooking all the time, but it's fun to hear guys like you. Uh, you know, and I know several other businesses around, not only around the state, but across the country that do similar things. And, and you know, they'll send pictures every once in a while of a, of a cookout that they're doing. Yeah, we'll have to do that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just fun. It's, it's, it's simple and it's easy. It's not something you have to spend a ton of time doing. You get it prepared, get it on there and let it so go. So one thing, you know, there's a lot of people out there, hoping I, Jay Paul, cutting in here if I'm getting too off topic from your hunting waterfowl stuff, but you know, no, no, you're fine. sometimes cooking food, wild game, barbecue, you know, you're talking the chicken and the ribs. Um, you know, sometimes it can seem intimidating to people like, man, I, I don't go there. You know, my wife does all the cooking. And I throw stuff in the microwave, you know, it honestly, if you can run a microwave, that pellet grill, you can do, amazing things on it start super simple you know i always tell people get a whole chicken open up your cupboard find whatever seasoning put it on and cook it at 300 degrees when that hits 165 and there's a thermometer on there to tell you when it does um it's awesome it's the best chicken you'll ever have oh you know and do that with ducks do that with with geese and and, and uh other wild game or or ribs it's the grill does all the work. It really like, does. I'll tell you a story. This was this Thanksgiving. Um, and I obviously get put in charge of doing turkey for Thanksgiving. Um, and anyway, I seasoned it, just kind of got some seasoning, put it on the grill. No lie. I tried a new thing, spatchcock, where you cut the spine out, open it up, and let it flat. <laughs> yeah, you got to explain that. <laughs> That's a good thing for it, huh? It'd be the same as doing, you know, the outcome would be very similar to doing a whole, but it cooks a little bit faster. Anyway, everybody was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. You know, my wife was actually eating all that turkey that she normally doesn't like. They're like, how did you do this? And I'm like, 
I wish I had some cool answer for you, but it's the grill. Like, I'm not kidding. Honey, it's my spatchcock. That's how I did it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I honestly wish I could be like, well, actually, you know, with some elaborate answer, but season it with a little bit of stuff, throw it, the gr- let the grill do its job. That, that's you know, the truth. It's that, it's that simple. It really is. Yeah. I do a lot with the Dutch oven too, and I want to talk about that in a minute and, and a couple of duck and goose recipes. But you mentioned just a second ago, Kevin, um, you use your Dutch oven a lot of times to do a mountain man breakfast. Now, I'm a southern boy, so tell me about a mountain man breakfast. A good mountain man breakfast. And we actually did it when uh, some of the employees came from uh, Excel the first of this month. Um, they asked me, hey, do a mountain man breakfast. They've never had it. So basically, take your Dutch oven. We throw in, uh, we've got some people who really like it spicy, some people who don't. We grab a good sausage. I like Jimmy Dean. We'll fry that up, pull that out, then take the hash browns and throw that into the leftover grease from the uh, sausage. and Get that nice and, and start to get them brown. Then throw the sausage back in, throw some onions and some peppers. And then we dump usually, it's about 24 eggs in there. And then cook that for about 40, 45 minutes. And then I'll finish it off with about two to three cups of cheese. And then you just rip that lid off, throw it on your plate. Um, we throw, we make a homemade pico de gallo here. We've got bread, we've got tortillas. And then we have to go back to work, which doesn't always seem to roll really fast. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a Western jambalaya. It's it's good stuff, man. It's I always get this when you cooking breakfast, when you doing dinner or lunch. You want the mountain man breakfast. Yeah, that's what they want, and it's it's fun to do, and I like doing it. So, and you know what, the the boss here, the owner Glenn, is really good about letting us do that stuff once a month. He encourages us to do it to you know kind of say thanks to the employees. So that's what we do. Yeah, that's really cool. You know. Um, I've been hunting all morning, and, and we actually, folks, for you guys out there listening, we tried to record this podcast earlier today, but I was down in the delta of Arkansas and in southeast Arkansas, and we didn't have great signal while I was driving down the road, but we had a uh, super successful hunt this morning. Three of us limited out on our ducks and our speckle belly geese, and uh, I took most of the birds, and over the next couple of weeks, uh, thanks to Ryan and the folks at Camp Chef and some of our other sponsors, we're going to be coming to you guys about once or twice a week, live on Facebook on the Excel Boats Facebook page. So be sure and be watching for that because uh, I'm going to be coming to you from my kitchen, you know, at least once a week for the next five or six weeks with some pretty cool recipes for, for ducks and geese. And one of the things that um, I'm going to be doing in the kitchen, Ryan, you'll appreciate this because you talked about using your stuff on the patio, but you know it's also i love the cast iron stuff in the kitchen and uh when i got back to town before i ran in the house so we could record this up in my office i stopped by the pluckers and uh dropped off those geese and i'm gonna have those guys uh they're gonna pluck the geese of course and i think one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make when it comes to cooking wild game and you saying jambalaya made me think of this because I'm going to do a gumbo is a lot of people, particularly with ducks, speckle belly geese, they want to take the breast out and throw everything else away. Well, first of all, that that's a pretty gross example of wanton waste. Uh, but second, you're giving up some of the 
best flavor that you could possibly have. One of my favorite things to do when I'm making a duck gumbo and I make a shrimp and duck gumbo pretty regularly, particularly when it's cold during duck season is to take those duck breasts and when I remove them, remove them with the skin on them or just take the skin and fat from that duck and use it to make my roux in one of your Dutch ovens. I take that cast iron Dutch oven on my cooktop and you know get it on medium heat and uh, take those duck breasts with the skin still left on them and throw them in that Dutch oven with the skin side down. Let them cook for five, six, seven, eight minutes. Render all of that fat out of those duck breasts, flip them over, sear the other side of them a little bit in that fat, flip you, them back you over. The, you keep the skin on when you do this, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping um, the skin on. You're going to be able to watch me do this with one of your Dutch ovens in my kitchen here in just a couple okay. of days. I'll leave the skin on it. I'll put it with the skin side down of that breast on the grill or on the Dutch oven, mm -hmm. on the cooking service. And with it on a medium heat, after five or six minutes, just like the grease cooks out of bacon, the fat is going to render out of that skin on that duck breast. And uh, each breast, and a breast is two halves, each breast is gonna give you somewhere, depending on how much fat's on the duck, between a tablespoon and two tablespoons of duck fat. And after I let it render out of there, I'll flip over those duck breasts, cook this, the other skinless side, sear it really good. And then I remove them and just leave that fat in my cast iron Dutch oven. And I use that fat instead of vegetable oil or butter to make my roux. Um, if you guys don't know what a roux is being out there, a roux is simply flour that has been cooked in some type of grease for fat. And taking that duck fat and using it to create my roux for that gumbo gives it a completely different dimension that you're not ever going to get with vegetable or butter as the basis for your roux. It's pretty cool stuff. And it's utilizing the game a whole heck of a lot better. Yeah, that's a great way to, you know, to, to utilize the animal. Um, and I've never heard that before, just doing that, rendering that down and pulling the fat out. That's pretty cool. I'd have to, I'd have to get a guy or something if I can hit a duck. Yeah. <laughs> it's you not know, think about it like this. <laughs> Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, I was going to say, it's not about hitting them. It's about here in Utah right now. It's about finding them. They're not, they're just not <laughs> everywhere anymore. It's uh, locking up and they're disappearing really quick. <laughs> we found them pretty good today, but you know, think about like this, Ryan, and you too, Kevin, hey, movie theater popcorn. What makes movie theater popcorn so good? Either one of you guys know? Oh, salt and butter. <laughs> Besides salt and butter, the thing that makes it different is most movie theaters pop their popcorn in coconut oil. Yeah. Um, if you deep fry a turkey, it makes a difference on what you use as the oil you fry that turkey and the flavoring. Most people in the South would agree that peanut oil is the preferred grease to deep fry turkey in. Dude, uh, I coconut. use peanut oil and I see a huge difference. It's it's a little more pricey. You know, coconut oil is probably the same. Um, but I've used peanut oil a bunch of times frying um, like pheasants, um, other, you know, chicken. And uh, 
I, I see a huge difference. But yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, and Keith, I'm sorry, I just called you Kevin a second ago. I was hunting right. with Kevin this morning. Uh, but you're right, Ryan, it makes, a, it makes a very, very big difference. And just like you were saying, you see a difference there. Duck fat or goose fat, either one, really has a great flavor to it. And when you're talking about making a gumbo or a jambalaya or an etouffee, anything that you're going to have to make a roux to begin with, I can tell in my gumbo a really, really big difference between just using red, regular vegetable oil to cook my flour in and make my roux or using that duck fat. And for you guys that listen and follow us, just keep a watch out here in a couple, couple of days, one evening soon, I'm going to be doing it on our Excel Boats Facebook page live in my kitchen. And uh, hopefully, thanks to the guys at Camp Chef, we're also going to be able to show you a, a few other tricks to utilizing ducks and geese in ways that you probably never thought of before. You know, one thing I want to say, um, well, first of all, everybody listening here, get on, watch Jay Paul do that live video and make sure you come with difficult questions because being on the other side of a live video, <laughs> make sure you hassle them, do some prep work. and, and <laughs> um, But also, also on that note, you know, with ducks, I think, um when it when when we're talking about cooking wild game particularly waterfowl this is also true for um not necessarily upland birds but big game animals for all the whitetail or deer deer hunters out there um but particularly waterfowl um the biggest number one mistake that i see made is that people overcook their ducks um now if you're doing a you know a gumbo jambalaya that might be a little different but if you're just cooking them up, throw them in the frying pan or, or something like that, um, the second you overcook them, they're going to start to taste muddy and kind of like the environment they come from. Um, and the more you overcook it, the worse it's going to be. So I would you know, highly recommend doing a rare to medium rare. You know, throw them in the pan, get a nice good sear on them. Um, you can smoke them and watch that temperature and um they're delicious if you're doing tacos you can do this um cook it to a medium rare and then slice that up throw it on a tortilla with some lime it's awesome really really good but just um don't, don't overcook it you know and the first time i did this i kind of felt weird waterfowl like you know i'm so used to birds that i had to cook them that way um but it's safe to eat um, being wild game and, it, and it's delicious the other tip i would give people is to brine your birds um, make sure you brine it there's a whole slew of brines you can find on the internet um, but even simple throw it in a bag of water um, and mix in even a couple just two tablespoons of salt and that'll do it just put that in there overnight and what that does is pull all that blood out and it'll it'll help um, that bird from tasting it'll just kind of take some of those bitter tastes out of there. So brine your bird you know, and cook it. You know, a lot of people, sorry for interrupting you, Ryan, but a lot of people have described it to me uh, over the years as, you know, having a liver taste to it. And I think it does. As a matter of fact, I was hunting with a guy a few years ago. He's talking about the fact that he doesn't hunt. He doesn't eat ducks. I'm like, man, what do you do with them? He said, well, I've got some friends I give them away to, but I'm like, well, if you're going to hunt them, you know, you really do need to be consuming, but that's a whole 
different argument. But yeah. I said, well, I tried it once, you know, and I, I soaked them overnight and some Italian dressing and, you know, like everybody tells me to do, and I put them on the grill and, you know, I cooked them up, you know, medium. And let me tell you, that was some of the best Italian dressing flavored liver I've ever had in my life. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Keith yeah. got a good laugh out of that. Well, it, it, it's true. I know a guy once. Um, I was going on an antelope hunt. Antelopes, totally different animal, but the same principle applies. I was going on an antelope hunt, and this guy says, "Antelope, what are you gonna do with it?" I said, "Well, I'll, you know, take it home with me and eat it. And if I get a good one, I'll put it on my wall or something. But I'll take it home and eat it." And he says, "Those things are so disgusting." He says, you're just going to throw it in a pan, fry it up till it's like shoe leather, and then chew on it. And I just kind of laughed at him or whatever. But that's honestly the mistake that everybody makes is they overcook it. And when we were in camp that year, we killed antelope, um, and we pulled some of the backstrap out, we, and we just cooked it up. Again, we didn't overcook it. It was a medium rare, and we just used salt and pepper and a little bit of oil, and it's awesome. It was the most some of the most delicious meat i've ever had um but it wasn't overcooked if we would have overcooked it it would have been a different story you know you mentioned earlier those two things and uh, i got to give a shout out to a buddy of mine um, who hopefully we may have here on the podcast in coming weeks a guy named scott laysath you may know of him as the sporting chef yeah well, you, you know, know scott well yeah, as a matter of fact scott really well i talked to him last week yeah, that's right. I forgot that. You guys sponsored the Sporting Chef, his yeah. uh, TV series. We'll give it a plug here. My buddy Scott Laysath, the Sporting Chef, and Dead Meat on Sportsman Channel. And uh, Scott, you know, he really, really preaches not overcooking any type of wild game and making sure you cook well enough any type of, of uh, fish, depending on where it comes from. But, you know, it, it's uh, – and the other thing that Scott has really educated me about is the proper way to brine um, waterfowl. And if you want to make a brine for your waterfowl, all you got to do is Google Scott Laysath brine, and you'll find uh, some really good stuff that he's got out there. You know, Scott has become an expert. I've had duck and goose that he has both brined and dry-aged and wet-aged, and uh, they all three are very distinctive. But if you want to avoid that liver, have it be really, really tender, uh, you need to brine it a little bit. But you don't want to go overboard either and use too much salt for too long and take all of the natural juices out of it. And Scott's got some really good stuff out there um, about brining. But, you know, just, well, just, while you're, just while you were saying that, I hurried, did a, went to YouTube, did a quick go uh, search on YouTube. Several videos come up of him doing that exact thing. So... In fact, there's a balsamic berry recipe video that he's that Sportsman Channel has on there. Um, I've done that before. It's delicious. Uh, and yeah, brine your birds and don't overcook them. And then from there, work your way up and you can get a lot more. You know, you can start trying some a little more advanced things. But for those guys who just like your friend, Jay Paul, giving your birds away, give that a try. Yeah, you're missing out on some really, really good stuff. So, uh, Keith, also I hear that uh, you're not only a meat master, you're pretty good with fish, too. Fish? I caught a nice one the first time in like uh, <laughs> <laughs> years. 
that was on a that was on a nice uh, elk hunt that we got to go on and uh you know shooting the elk was wonderful catching the fish yeah it's okay i love to eat fish but i'm not a big grab something wet and slimy <laughs> you, you sound you sound just like me i went to alaska last year on a fishing trip i was more excited to bring home the fish than to catch them i mean I, 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 the day, I was like yeah i've caught enough fish i'm done but hey keep catching more so i can bring it home <laughs> yeah it was like they're like i said after i caught the first one i'm like i'm done they're like well there's lots of fish i'm like i don't want to catch anymore i don't want to put anything on the hook i don't want to take it off the hook kind of, i didn't grow up <laughs> i mean i didn't grow up that way i mean i grew up in california riding ATVs on the beach and motorcycles and street racing. Hunting wasn't anything that I've ever done until I started working here at Mud Buddy and going out with um, Clint Hubby who works here. He got me into, um, you know, shooting ducks and geese and that stuff. It's been great, but I've got to go on a couple of good elk hunts. And uh, the first time bringing home an elk and then putting it in front of my family who's never had wild game, they're all like, well, what is this? I'm like, it's an elk steak. Glenn gave me some good recipes you know smoked them up put them on there and I, you know we went back this year got another big elk and put it in the freezer and it's it's great and i just did a big huge elk roast well probably about two weeks ago on the smoker just put that baby on the pellet smoker stuck my probe in there and just checked it and got it to about 145 my family likes their stuff a little bit like more like the 150 but they they eat the outside of the big part of the roast and i ate the inner side where it was a little more red and the way I like it, but it's just, you know, fun stuff. But yeah, I'm not a big fisherman. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Somebody had told me that. That's why I was giving you a hard time about it. You know, see, and, and I love the I love the pellet grill for cedar plank salmon. I mean, you talk about a great product that you guys have for creating perfectly flavored cedar plank salmon. You can flat out do it on that pellet smoker. Yeah. Pellet those, grill. Temps, those temps, so those temps have a, it has a huge range. You can drop it down to about 160 if you're doing fish, something a little more delicate. Um, but then if, you know, in jerky, you can do it around 160 or up, I do mine around 225. Um, but if you want to just do something a little bit hotter and faster, you can crank that up and it'll get up to 500 degrees. The coolest thing, one of my favorite things to do, I've, I did this with a deer that I shot earlier this year. Um, is I'll do a reverse sear. So I put some backstrap on there and I had it, I cooked it about 225 degrees. Once the internal temperature hit about 100 degrees, we have a, what's called a sear box, um, basically a really hot propane grill that hooks to your pellet smoker um, and that'll get up to 900 degrees. So I'm able to do low and slow and super hot all in one. So I'll smoke it get that nice good wood flavor um, wood flavor in there and then I'll pull it off and I'll I'll throw it on that sear box and sear it to get this nice good crust on there this works beautiful with like a ribeye steak it's so delicious I don't I won't buy a steak anymore for the it, it's honestly ruined me for that well you know, and a lot of people, and you correct me if I'm wrong with my understanding of this, but a lot of people don't understand why if you're going to smoke something that reverse sear is so important. But it's because, you know, when we sear a piece of meat, like when I cook a ribeye, you just mentioned ribeyes. Mm -hmm. When I cook a ribeye, and, and I've got on the four burner grill, I get it super hot, super hot. And 
I come and I slap that ribeye on there and on one side for a minute or two minutes and let it just almost burn that side, sear it really good, then flip it over and sear that other side. And then when I do the next flip, I move it to a cooler part of the grill and let it, you know, finish the cooking process. I personally like my steak rare, very rare, just beyond the point where a skilled veterinarian can save its life. <laughs> and I like my ducks that way too. But, uh, but, but you do that, that sear, you put it on there on the front end to sear to seal the juices in there but with the reverse sear it's a little bit different if you really really want to get that good smoky flavor all the way through that big piece of meat you want to start it low and slow because if you sear it right off the bat you're not going to get that penetration and then come back afterward and sear it on that reverse sear to give it that good crust on the outside so you get the best of both worlds exactly Whereas the other thing, the other thing that a reverse sear does that I think is excellent, um, and there's another method out there called sous vide, which is growing in popularity. Um, people can look it up if they want to, but it does a similar method with the reverse sear. Um, if you were to throw a, a a piece of meat or a steak on there, say a big thick steak, and you sear it at first, um, what you're doing is the outside of your steak, you're immediately bringing that temp way up. It's going to get like 200, 300 degrees because it's just hitting that hot surface. And then it's going to be gray um, on the outside and then you'll have a pink center. But if you do the reverse sear, you're slowly bringing the entire piece of the meat up to temperature and then you give it a quick sear at the end. So that way when you cut it open, the entire piece of the meat is pink. You don't have this gray on the outside with the pink center. The entire thing is pink. Or Jay Paul, in your case, red. red. <laughs> Still crawling on but, the plate. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it, it's so much better. So for those of you, give it a try and uh, you won't spend $20. You'll spend 20 bucks on a steak at the grocery store, but you won't spend anything at the restaurant again because you know you can make a better steak at home. And like I said, it's kind of ruined me. I don't, I go to the steakhouse, I get something else. Cause you know, I, it's, it just, it's, it's easy to, again, well, how'd you do this? What's the secret? I wish I had a secret. I don't know. I put it on the grill. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know, the big secret for me with, with the game and, and that I hope we got to wrap it up here in a second, but I hope that everybody takes, uh, several things away from this first of all you know you've got to cook any type of waterfowl or wild game deer elk antelope it needs to be rare and you gotta also remember you know i have people sometimes that will cut into a duck breast and grilled for them they'll go man that's like you know almost purple in the center well yeah but that's the color of but that's also the the appearance it's like wild caught salmon you know, really good, true wild-caught stuff like my buddy Scott catches uh, up there in Northern California, it's red, and it doesn't have any coloring, and that's the way that it is. A duck breast, a goose breast, it, it's almost purplish, that meat, even after it's cooked. If it's changed colors all the way through, then you have way, way overcooked it. You know, that's just naturally the way that it is, and if you want it to really be tender, really taste good, you want to, you know, cook it on the outside, leave it as rare as possible on the inside. One of the things that Scott uh, taught me years ago is that um, you know, wild game 
is very, very, very safe compared to a lot of store-bought products. It's not handled in the same way. You know, fresh deer meat, um, unless that animal was diseased, there is, it's sterile. And, yeah. and any type of intact red meat, whether it's deer, duck, goose, if it's cooked a 16th to an, 18th, to an eighth of an inch all the way around, then hey, you're safe. Uh, so you don't want to overcook it you know, along a quick, the way. A quick story. I know you want to wrap things up, um, but earlier a good friend of mine and, and a good friend of Scott Laysass, his name's David Draper. Um, he's now the editor of Peterson's Hunting Magazine, um, but he's done a lot. He's got a lot of experience cooking wild game. Great guy. Google his name, and he's got a lot of good advice to share. Anyway, I was with him earlier this year, and uh, I had some. I was making some tacos. I had some elk tacos, and it was elk that I harvested um, the year previous or, or a few months previous. And uh, anyway, we were out there just kind of having a good time. Um, and I made these tacos and I had some raw elk sitting there and I was hurrying and flash cooking this other stuff to serve warm tacos. Um, and he over, someone asked, what is this meat? And I was like, oh, it's elk I harvested earlier this year. And David Draper looks at me and says, oh, you harvest this elk? And I said, yeah. And he's like, oh, cool. And then I noticed after he found out that I harvested, processed the whole thing, I saw him turn around and grab a little piece of raw, uncooked, cold meat. He threw it in his mouth like popcorn. He started chewing on it and eating it. And I was like, you see that? He says, yes, it's super good. He's like, I love it. You got to try it. And some of the other guys did. I was kind of busy. Um, but, you know, and I've seen people do that since. And, you know, keep that in mind. It's not like the beef you get from the store. Um, and all the wild game I do, I process myself for that reason. I, I know where it is. I know how it's been processed. I know how it's been touched. But, yeah, it's sterile. It's clean. Um, you can you eat, know, that, eat that rare and, and, and you shouldn't have to have to worry about it. As long as, you know, you use your, your basic food safety methods to, to take care of that animal. Sure. And I'll point out something else too. Um, Keith, I think you want to say something here too, but, uh, you know, ceviche. Ceviche is um, fish that has been cooked in some type of, of acid. Usually it's like lime, lemon juice, um, fruit juices, but uh, you know, it's not cooked in anything. It's a chemical cook. And if you take, a, like a lot of people do, you know, if you use something like Allegro or, or Dells or any type of soy-based marinade and marinade that deer or that duck breast, well, that marinade is going to do a whole lot, the acids in that, to kill any of the bacteria or germs that are there also. And, you know, one of my favorite things is to take a uh, venison backstrap and make sure they've removed all the silver skin where you don't have any sinew there and it's not tough. And we have a local manufacturer that makes a great marinade called Allegro. It's soy-based. And, uh, man, I, I can cut venison backstrap medallions, soak them for three or four hours in that Allegro, and you can eat them straight out of the marinade. You don't even need to throw them on the cooker. I mean, they are fantastic. So, you know, but it's, it, once you marinate that, you're also doing a lot to remove the bacteria also and make it safer. So it's just like creating ceviche. What were you wanting to say, Keith? Oh, just, you know, it's been great here. I've learned a lot just from you two, um, you know, about 
how to process duck. And you're right. The first time I cooked duck or goose, it was way overcooked. It was like, I might as well have pulled off my Nike and just chewed on it because that's what it tasted like. And, and I learned a lot of that with the, the, the uh, elk and stuff that I uh, harvested the last two years is more on the medium side. My family, the girls all like it a little bit more. So there's kind of a, you know, a little bit of give and go, but you know what? They eat it. They love it. When you throw on a store-bought steak, they're like, don't we have any elk steaks or a roast? And like, no, I had to get this. Or like, okay. But you know, the, the Camp Chef products from the pellet grills to their stoves, I just love all the products. I use them home camping here at work. You know, I can't say enough about them. I know there's competitors out there. Um, I've got friends who have the other ones and then they see how easy mine is to use, to clean. They're like, I just overpaid. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You, you way overpaid for a name <laughs> that isn't any better than, than what you have here. And why spend more money for a name? I'm not a name type of guy. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not going to spend more for a name when you can find a product that's as good as anybody else's out there or better. And it's easier to clean and maintain. And, you know, that's just experience from hanging out with people who have these other name products that aren't as good and, and they'll both and they'll tell you that one of them's the owner here he's got one of the competitors and he's got his camp chef and he'll use his camp chef before he uses anything else because it's just an easier unit to take care of and does a wonderful wonderful job and guys out there don't be afraid of these pellet smokers they're they're your best friend teach your wife how to do it because once you get it rolling and going you stick that probe in there and you know, call it good. Check on it once in a well, while. That's all you got to do. <laughs> well, Keith, see what we what we like to do here at Camp Chef. We got a great customer service team, and and always on the marketing team, and everyone else. We listen to guys like you. You know, and when you say, you know what, this thing's a pain in the butt. I really don't like this about it. So then we we try to go to work to fix and solve that problem. Um, and uh, that's exactly what we've done with that pellet smoker. Um, People were like, I really love this product, blah, blah, blah. And then when we really dig down, we kind of find out some of the other side of the story. And so we've gone in to, to fix those issues. And, you know, I feel like we've got an awesome, awesome product. I'm super stoked. I hate to do like shameless plugs, but I love it. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> no, is, man, that's okay. Good stuff. There's no doubt about it. And it's, it's easy to use. That's what I like about it. It doesn't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a world renowned chef. You can be Joe Blow coming home from work, throwing on whatever you want to throw on. And like I said, the family's happy. Like I said before, whoa, what's this? How'd you do this turkey? <laughs> uh, I just put it on the grill. Like, <laughs> I wish I had some cool answer that made me look awesome, but yeah. Yeah, you know, two things here, and we're going to wrap it up because I've already decided that we've got to have you back on with this run here in a couple of weeks, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, I've been, my mind's been racing while we've been talking here, wrapping it up, because I've learned a whole lot today. Some, some of it really, really, you know, questionable, like everybody there at Mud Buddy loves it when Keith has Bill rub his ribs. And <laughs> Ryan's you know, wife loves his spatchcock turkey. I'm not yeah. too sure about that stuff. But. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people sometimes also want to complicate things too much. And one thing when we have you back on here in a couple of weeks, I want us to, uh, and maybe we can even do a uh, podcast while we, while we cook and share it on YouTube also. 
the next time I have you back, I want to talk to you a little bit about cast iron. A lot of people are intimidated by cooking with cast iron because they think it's either very complicated or cast iron is super hard to maintain. And your products, like most yeah, of your competitors uh, today, both of those claims are false, and I've experienced experienced that myself. You know, cleaning it is easy. We can talk about this may, maybe another time. I don't want to. No, let's get only a couple of weeks. We're going to have you back. We're going to talk yeah. a little bit about uh, cast iron maintenance. I'm going to hit on it during one of our uh, Facebook Live uh, cooking segments that we do on the Excel Boats page. And uh, the other thing, uh, we didn't talk a whole lot about cooking on the Dutch oven outside of the kitchen, but I, I love while I'm in the duck blind uh, or out hunting period using my Camp Chef Dutch ovens with charcoal and and you know, it's so cool that you can set that Dutch oven. It's amazing. A Dutch oven is like a crock pot for the wilderness. Uh, because you can super slow cook things in it yeah. using charcoal. And everybody thinks it's so complicated. But uh, we're going to have you back here in a couple of weeks. And we're going to talk a little bit about cast iron care and cast iron cooking. In the meantime, guys, you're been my co-host today i really appreciate you guys guesting along with me one of the things that routinely rocky frost and i do is is take our parting shot so before we sign off here keith anything you want to leave us with and I, i'm sorry i do want to leave you with i'm sorry i referred to you as kevin twice okay. what the hell i was thinking it's been I've a long been, day i've been up since 4 a.m i've been called but, words bro trust me <laughs> yeah, i've heard somebody there use mother I've heard somebody there use mother as your first name and we will discuss your last. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get that a lot here sometimes. But <laughs> anyway, parting shot, buddy. It's just been fun to be here and to learn from you and, and from Ryan about more about Camp Chef products. I love them. It's like any of their products. Anytime you use it the first time, it can be intimidating. But after you use it, it's like that's all there is. I, I love my cast iron. I cook on it at home all the time. I've got three or four different, you know, Camp Chef Dutch ovens and fry pans, and I love the stuff. It's just wonderful stuff, and can't say enough about it. And Mud Buddy also, and you too. Great, man. All right, Ryan, your turn. Our, our, our Camp Chef marketing customer service guru. Uh, we had you on the On The X podcast, your parting shot. One tip I'd give to everybody is, uh, you know, don't be scared to try new things. It's, you know, cooking is an art, and, and just have fun with it. Start out simple, work your way up, you know, get on YouTube, look around, read reviews, get people's opinion. And uh, you always find people on the internet saying, you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. Listen to 10 opinions, put them together and figure out your own, your own, because there's no right or wrong way to do it and just get out, explore and have fun. Um, you know, and us at Camp Chef, we're always trying to make, um, make it easier for you guys so that you can do that. You know, the guys over at Mud Buddy are doing the same thing. They're making it easier for me to get out in the marsh. That's what I've been in many a Mud Buddy boats, and they've gotten me out of some sticky situations. Um, and we, we try to do the best with our, our cooking equipment, too, to just make sure that uh, you can do all this cooking super simple. So, you know, check us out. You can always call our customer support line and, and ask questions there. Um, and just hop on YouTube, look around, and, and have fun with it. Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much. I've enjoyed having you a lot on the show today. Learned a whole lot from you guys. And for the listeners out there, man, appreciate you guys being with us again this week. Um, you heard both Keith and Ryan talk a little bit about, you know, hunting conditions. Uh, 
things are changing out west. Things are starting to heat up here in the south. I had a great hunt this morning down in southern Arkansas. If you want to find out where the birds are, you can uh, go on Facebook and join the Duck South group. Uh, my buddy Rocky, co-host who couldn't be with us today, has been assimilating migration reports from all over the United States, trying to keep people advised on where the birds are. So if you want to know where the ducks are, check out the Duck South Migration Report. Also, watch for us to bring you some of these cooking segments. Thanks to Ryan and the guys at Camp Chef on Excel Boat's Facebook page coming to you live. And until next time, thanks again for joining us for this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. <laughs>